You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. If you listen to one episode of this podcast, make it this one. Seriously. If you are feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, discouraged, tired, or just plain confused after this wild ride of a year, then we have a belated Christmas gift for you, my friend. I am so excited for today's show. Lindsay and I had the incredible honor of talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Dean Graziosi. If you are not familiar with Dean, this man is incredible. He is a multiple New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and investor. He has started or has been involved in 13 plus companies that have changed lives around the world. For over 20 years, Dean has been dedicated to delivering self-education to those seeking transformation and success outside of the normal path of traditional education. Recently, he and Tony Robbins launched the Knowledge Business Blueprint with the goal of making self-education viable for millions. It began with the largest online training in history with over 200,000 people live and has since become a movement. So yeah, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. And today he is going to light a freaking fire under your butt and give you an arsenal of tools to crush your goals and change the world as we say so long to 2020 and head into 2021. Now today we talked to Dean about his three components that distinguish millionaires from the rest and how to cultivate and protect those components in your life. His definition of success and why finding your own will help guide you through life's ups and downs, prioritizing family in the midst of success, building a legacy, and he wraps it up so nicely with his thoughts on the year of 2020 and what we can do moving forward into 2021. I was personally ready to get up and run a marathon or something equally intense after this talk with Dean, and I know he's going to leave you equally inspired, equipped, and ready to take on the world. So I will shut up now and let the real man of the hour take the mic. Are you ready for this? You are probably not, but let's welcome Dean Graziosi. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Dean Graziosi, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. It is the biggest honor to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, good to be here. (laughs) Well, for everyone that doesn't know you, I don't know who probably doesn't know you, but in case anybody doesn't, (laughs) if you could just break down real fast your story and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah. You know, first off, hey, everybody. Uh, I know. Thank you for uh, being here. I know you're smart to be at this podcast right now, but I also know there's a million different options out there. So if we're going to spend time together, I promise you, uh, I'm going to give it my absolute best. And in this shifting world, um, we need capabilities. We need, you know, in in you, we need leaders and role models and people taking uncomfortable action now more than ever. So uh, I give you all the credit in the world for going after your dreams, for gaining capabilities and and we're going to we're going to light it up today. I want this to be one of your best episodes ever. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Okay, so uh, listen, 
telling my story, I, I don't want to tell it so much that it's just about me. This is about you guys. You're spending this next time with us. But what I do love to share is I promise you, no matter where you are, as you're listening to this, if you're in your car, if you're driving, if you're working out, but where you are emotionally or at this time in your life, I promise you I've been there. I know what it's like to feel uncertain. I know what it's like to feel like you're an imposter. I also know what it feels like to know you have more to give the world and you're dying to, but you don't know where to start or you started and now you don't have know how to scale. I also know what it's like to not have people in your world believe in you because they think you're a crazy dreamer, entrepreneur thingy, Majiki. you know what I mean? <laughs> so I just want you to know, I share a little bit, I'll share a little bit about me only to let you know that I'm not someone standing up on the hill saying life is beautiful as an entrepreneur and being rich. It's easy. Come on up and, and drink the champagne. Like I know what it's like to be down in the ditch saying this is brutal. This is tough, but we deserve it. And, and I just want to tell you on the other side of facing your bigger fears to start or scale on the other side of facing the thing you worry about is truly your next level. And that's what's good about a podcast like this. If even just one thing today sparks that momentum, you know, take what serves you and throw the rest away. Um, mm -hmm. For me, my biggest muse uh, for starting uh, to do my own thing, uh, when I think back, was definitely my mom. My parents uh, got divorced when I was three. We all have our own story. That's not for me. But my mom, um, beautiful woman inside and out, but, you know, had dyslexia really bad. I inherited that from her. Um, and just never thought a lot of herself. And I, and I hated that as a child. And she worked three jobs she cut hair, she cleaned houses, and she painted houses uh, to make nothing. And she'd come home at nine o'clock every night tired and her back hurt and her hands hurt. And she was too young to feel that way. And, and I just remember being at really young and I lived in a trailer park with my mom and she did her absolute best to take care of us, but it was tough. But I remember thinking, oh, someday I'm, I'm, I'm retiring her. I'm, I remember being 10, 11 years old saying, I'm going to be rich. And I, I didn't want to be rich. I mean, there was no Instagram and Facebook back then, um, but I didn't want to be rich to have a Lamborghini and uh, private jets and, and the fancy watch. I wanted to be rich so my mom didn't have to worry. And man, mm -hmm. what, what an incredible driving force that was. I can even remember my, uh, I don't want to digress too much and don't hesitate to jump in here and steer me in a better direction, but I can remember my uncle Larry, uh, asking me at like 14 years old or 13, he said, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go to college? And I remember thinking, and this is just for me, it doesn't mean it's your path. I'm like, I'm not smart enough to go to college. I'm going right in to start my own business because I need to take care of my mom. Maybe I was 12. And he's like, oh, that's, that's a, that's a, a lofty goal, goal, if you, a lofty goal. He said, if you don't go to college, if you don't get a good job working for a great company, that'll never happen. And you know, so many times that is the type of mindset that's around us. My uncle Larry was wrong, way wrong. They don't make statues of critics, right? My poor uncle Larry was stuck in a job he hated his whole life. And anyway, long story short, um, when I was in high school, I started cutting firewood and then I started buying wrecked cars and fixing them. Um, after that, I started um, uh, a collision shop and then I had a tow truck company and then I got into real estate. And along that whole journey, believe me, I failed miserably. I had self-doubt. I, I wondered when was the day people are going to realize I'm not that smart and I'm going to fail. But I just kept pushing forward. And, and I, here's, a, here's a great word to take away for 2000, towards you know 2020, going into 2021, whenever you're listening to this, is uncomfortable action. You never get anywhere in life without moving forward. You know, courage is not taking action in absence of fear. Courage is taking action even though you're still scared to death. 
And through that whole journey of starting my own stuff and working and failing, I just kept moving forward. And and the most important thing is um, that I found in my mid twenties, how to work on my mindset. I actually bought Tony Robbins course at two and a half decades ago. And I realized that I was working hard and I had great ways to work hard, but I wasn't working smart. And I was stressing all the time and I was focusing on my limiting beliefs and focusing on what could go wrong. And I was worried about what other people would think of me and all these crazy things that feeling like an imposter. And, and when, the more I worked on that, the more my business exponentially grew. Um, I started in 1998, I created my first course to help other people. Um, Within a few years, I had my first New York Times bestselling book, even though I had dyslexia and never got past high school. Now I got six books. I'm a multiple New York Times bestselling author. I, I feel blessed that I've started over 13 companies. I'm, I'm now in partners and best friends with Tony Robbins. We talk every single day of the week. Um, and uh, I get to do some really cool things. I'm, I'm a dad, which is my number one priority. Dad and husband is number one. I get to be the dad I want. When I'm done with you guys today, I go to pick my kids up from school. And uh, that's success to me. And I'll be practicing with my daughter. I'll be catching for her. She's a pitcher in softball. So she'll be, I'll be practicing with her tonight. And, um, and plus I have a little nine month old Luca. So um, I, I, I don't want to come on and say, oh, that you just work hard and life is easy and it's perfect. But what I want to tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're probably an entrepreneur or someone thinking about it. And I want to tell you, life is going to be brutal sometimes, no matter what. People are going to let you down. Things are going to go wrong. The money won't be there, but that's going to happen no matter what you do in your life. Whether you work for someone else in a job you hate or you work for yourself, you're still going to have that disappointment. And I will choose 100 out of 100 times to work for me, to fulfill my own potential, to continue to grow as a human and learn during this, learn, you know, with this journey we call life. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I feel like I just got like a, a pep talk from like a coach or or a, an uncle or something, but also like emotionally just like almost teared up when hearing you just talk about like your kids and your wife and, mm-hmm. you know, just your passion and kind of your definition of success. And I would love to maybe touch on that a little bit more because I think that is yeah. so, so, so important for entrepreneurs that are you know, focus in growing and scaling and starting these other companies and all this different stuff isn't on the numbers because those are so fleeting and so fickle, but that, you know, our definition of success is maybe a little bit deeper and a little bit bigger. So I know you probably have so much to say on this. Would you want to talk about, you know, what a definition of success looks like for different people or what makes someone successful? Of course, of course. So I'll tell you, um, in my twenties, I, I, just turned 52 a couple of weeks ago, but in my twenties, um, where I worked, I worked like crazy in high school by, by 11th grade, you know, 10th or 11th grade, I was out of school by 12 o'clock and working on cars. So I'd leave school at, you know, 1145 and by 1215, I was dirty fingernails, working on fenders, changing engines, changing brakes. So I, I went after it like legit, like, and, and, and most entrepreneurs and people who want another level realize they got to put in uh, the extra work. So working that hard, a lot of times, um, you know, I said no to a lot of things so I could say yes to try to build a foundation, to take mm-hmm. care of my mom, be free, to have be able to make different choices than my parents had and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I would, I'm going to just share something silly here. In my early twenties, I had already had a collision shop and auto sales and I had apartments and I was building houses. I was doing pretty damn well from where I came from. I was probably doing better than anyone in my family had ever done. I lived in a really nice house in, in this little up, 
a little town in upstate New York. So success to me in my early 20s was on Thursday sometimes, I would jump on a plane from New York and I would fly to Miami and I would literally party all weekend. I would get bottle <laughs> service. I would have fun. It was like, oh my God, this broke guy. And I, I just love to dance and I'd want to go to the beach the next day. And to me, I thought that was like, I'm being successful. I've made and it. I wanted to fight for that freedom to do that. Plus I was already by then sending my mom money every single week. By the time I was 26, I retired my mom. By 29, I retired my dad. So that was two big, huge things for me too. So wow. family and enjoying myself. My 30s were completely different. In my 30s, I wanted to build momentum and I wanted to make more, you know, I wanted to build a legacy. In my 40s, I had my first two kids and then it changed completely. I wanted to be that dad. And my parents were, I mean, we all have our story. But my parents were married nine times. My parents are great at a lot of things, but they suck at staying married. Wow. Um, so I wanted to be that different dad, that present dad. So I coached little league and softball Yeah, right now again, and it's okay. No matter what phase you're at in your life right now, I, if you ever see me on Instagram, I wear the same gray t-shirts every day. I have a hundred of them. I have dark gray, light gray, and white. That's it. I literally drive a Ford pickup truck because I love it. I mean, it's new, but I love my Ford pickup truck. I traded, I traded in my Tesla because I wanted a Ford pickup truck. But I also know what success means to me. And, and this will lead into another part of a conversation, but I just want you to know what I fight for every day. People ask me, how do you have so much enthusiasm, so much energy? Why do you want to keep going? Couldn't you retire? Yes, I feel blessed. I could have retired years ago and I, I'd be fine for the rest of my days. But what success means to me is I want to be an amazing dad who's present, who picks his kids up from school. I still make my kids lunches every single day they're with me. My older kids are with me exactly half the time. And my wife always says to me, oh my God, let me do it. I'm like, no, no, no. I've been doing it since they were born. I get up in the morning. I make them both lunches. I write them a little note. My 14 year old's probably embarrassed of the note and throws it out before. It, but <laughs> it and I drive them to school. And today when we're off this, I will go pick them up from school. And my daughter's trying out for her next team on Saturday. I'll practice with her every single night. I'll do homework with my kids. I am a present husband. I, this is, I was married before, and I don't know if I was a good husband before. I, I just say it like it is. I was really focused on business, and I didn't realize the balance. And uh, me and my kid's parents, my, my kid's mother are dear friends. She's a great mom. We co-parent, amazing. But that relationship didn't work out. But this relationship, I'm in a marriage that's, she's the love of my life. I walk in a room. We've been together four years. I walk in a room. She doesn't see anybody but me. She smiles like she met me for the first time. And I do everything in my power to have that woman love me that way because it's not just about getting her to love me. I need to be a better man. So every day I know success means to me that I grow. I still write her notes. I, I leave little things around the house. And we're not even, we're not newlyweds. We have a baby in the house and I fall more in love every day because I'm intentional because that's the definition of success. At the end of my life, if I have a billion dollars and my kids don't talk to me and my three ex-wives and they don't talk to me. I'm the biggest failure in the freaking world. Mm -hmm. So I know what yeah. her priority is. I want my wife to love me and feel secure and feel safe. And I want her to know she's loved. Yeah. My kids, I want them to know that their dad was present. He was busy as shit and he's a worker. I love that my kids know that I'm a hustler. I get stuff done. I'll work till five in the morning. I'll get up at five in the morning. I'll do whatever it takes, but they know that they're first. And mm -hmm. I also love to grow as a human. I love to lead my team. I got the greatest team on the planet. And I want to, I want to, you know, hopefully today I inspire it. Even if just one person takes something I said today and shifts their life, I did my job today. 
Outside of that, guys, I'm not kidding you. I say no to absolutely everything else. I don't go to fancy parties. I am. I don't know if I've had a suit. I've had a suit on twice in the last three years. I wear <laughs> Nikes every single day. I, I get invited to the coolest places, go to the Oscars, the Emmys, or fly to this thing. I'll pick you up on my jets. Like, ah, it doesn't serve my kids. Doesn't serve me being a better husband. Doesn't serve my team. Doesn't serve impact. No, it's a no. And I have to tell you how freeing it is. People say to me, how do you write a new best-selling book every year and do a live training and do podcasts and do, because I say no to everything guys. So I know I digress there. So I'll, I'll let you ask the next question. Well, we could listen to you forever. And I, (laughs) first off, I want to say thanks for giving us a yes when I know it's a very uh, special thing that you give. Um, But I, I think in just hearing your, your heart and your story is you have such intense clarity. And I think that comes from probably years of maybe not having clarity and like, like, you know, going off and doing the parties in Miami and things like that. And, and what I'm gleaning from you is just like, you're the, all of the priorities that you're living right now is literally like what I want to achieve. Like mm-hmm. I want my kids to know that absolutely like they come first in, in any capacity. Um, and I just, I just want to say like, you've inspired more than just one person. So this podcast is like 14 minutes in and you've already <laughs> like, that's not a, that's not a concern. Um, but I think my next question for you would be, you are obviously a distinguished millionaire. We all know that. So my question is, what are three components that you personally think distinguish millionaires from everyone else? Um, I have a feeling it might go more to mindset, but just you have the mic. Yeah, I, I would. You know, it's, it's, it's great that you asked that. I, I would tell you this. If you asked me that in my 20s, I'd say you have to be a hustler. You have to work hard and you have to find the perfect opportunity. In my 30s, I would say you have to work hard. You have to find a great opportunity, but you have to have a really good mindset as well. At 52, I would say 90% of what you need to be successful lives between your ears. Mm-hmm. You already have most of what you need. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you mindset is way more important than you think. And I know when I say that, if some of you don't have the money right now, or you don't have your husband support you, and he thinks you're crazy that you want to do your own thing, or you're juggling three kids, a job, trying to start your business. You're like, shut up, Dean. You don't know what it's like. Yeah, you're rich now. I need more than just a great mindset. But here's what I want to share with you. I hear you and I feel you because I've been there. But what if you trusted me that I've been in business for 33 years for myself? I've never worked for anybody else. I've failed miserably. I've, go, I've been broker than broke. I've had people doubt me. I've had family members sit me down like, like an intervention, like I was a drug addict doing drugs and telling me, stop trying to be an entrepreneur. You weren't built for it. You don't have the money. You don't have the smarts. I, I, I've been there. But let me just ask you something. As a, if you look at millionaires. And I, and I don't have a canned answer for this. I'm going to tell you what was coming to my heart as I talk to you guys. Number one is resourcefulness. If you think about this, when people say I could get wealthy, if someone would give me money, if someone believed in me, if I had the resources, let me just ask you, have you ever saw this, seen the statistic on people who hit lotto? How many of them go broke? Mostly mm-hmm. all of them. But they yeah. have the resources. What the hell happened? They lacked resourcefulness. If you look at successful people who continue to thrive, they know how to make things work relentlessly. And that's not them. It's you listening right now. It's when you decide that no one, and and listen, I believe this, and maybe this might offend some people, but 
There is some people in the world and in our country now that believe that someone's coming to save us or someone's coming to help us. Or if we have a certain president or a certain Congress or there's, I don't care if you're the, on the left, the right, the middle, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, there's nobody coming to save us. And it is so freeing when you realize this is all on us. There's nobody going to lend us a helping hand. No one's going to just lend, give us money to start the company. No one's going to make it easy and grease the runway. We need to tap into that underdog mindset that lives inside all of us and become massively and relentlessly resourceful. If you look at the most successful people throughout time, and I geeked out on a lot of successful people, even the founders of America, George Washington and, and Benjamin Franklin, and, and I went through Thomas Jefferson, I went through Sam Adams, I, I, all quintessential underdogs, never should have made it. It's when somebody tells you no, or it's not going to work, or you're not smart enough. Do you go, uh, probably not? Or do you go, oh, wait and let me show you, <laughs> right? That, those little things, because when, when it, it all depends, you can ask yourself this is, you know, the last time things didn't work out the way you wanted, when you got your first no, did you quit? That's not being resourceful because if things don't work out the first time, what do you do? You try a different angle. And what if that doesn't work? You try again. And what if that doesn't work? What if that doesn't work 70 more times? You try 70 different ways because the 71st time changes your freaking life forever. Mm. That's number one. You got any questions <laughs> on that before I go to number two? <laughs> uh, I feel like we could talk about that forever because there's... I go deeper on that. <laughs> no, no, I I love it. I don't, I can't decide if I want you to go deeper on that or go to number two. Lindsay, what do you feel? Uh, let's move on to number two because the, the, I don't want to take three hours of his time, but Dean, everything that you're giving us is great. It's so <laughs> yeah. good. Uh, so, so resourcefulness, that's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. And how do you unlock resourcefulness? You unlock resourcefulness by watching, and again, this is nothing, it's probably something you've heard. Maybe I'm asking you to hear it for the first time again today, but you have to really watch the conversations that are going on inside your mind. You have to watch the beliefs that you have. And sometimes our beliefs are not ours. I know I carried beliefs that were my parents until my thirties. And I'm telling you, I'm 52, that, that imposter syndrome that I'm not good enough. And some stories my dad gave me, they still come into my life. I write books on this. This is how I make a living. And I still have a voice saying, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You're going to fail. You're not the smartest guy in the room. What if they find out? I don't know when that voice will ever go away. If it will, I just found a way to be stronger than that voice. So here's what I would like to tell you, uh, or share about, uh, number two is there is a belief or a story that you tell yourself when you're close to a breakthrough. That is the reason you're not having that breakthrough. And it's already cost you more than you could ever imagine. It's already cost you income. It's already cost you time. It's already cost you freedom. I don't know what that is. We all have our own. I I threw out some. You might say, if my husband would just support me, if I could be in the right relationship, if I had money to do this, if I could find the time between everything that I have going on, if people would believe in me, I'm not saying that's not true, but if that's the belief, your subconscious grabs a hold of that and goes, hey, let's just play it safe, right? Think about what our subconscious is there to do. It's there to protect us so we can make more babies and move on. And we don't get chased by saber-toothed tigers anymore. So when you start feeling bad about a circumstance, 
your subconscious wants to say, hey, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. You're not that smart. We don't have money. Your husband thinks you're crazy. It's the wrong time. It's the wrong president. Technology's too hard for you. Like our subconscious wants to give us the easy path so we're safe. Bullshit. Question that. Question those thoughts. You know, I said this before that I say it too much. They don't make statues of critics, but they don't make statues of that inner self-doubt, that inner wimpy person that's telling you you should play small. You're meant for more. And I think when we address that story and go, oh, my God, that belief cost me my last two opportunities. That belief cost me a relationship. That belief cost me a friendship. I must kick that belief's ass and throw it out and shift it because it's really easy to say, hey, I didn't make it because I had dyslexia and I had no money. But you know what's really easy, cooler to say? I made it because I have dyslexia and I had no money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh I think I, <laughs> we, we both are like looking at each other like, oh, uh. I feel there is so much with that in Lindsay and I have talked about this before. We've talked a lot to our with our audience about this as well getting out of the victim mentality. It's the world, you know, when we sit back and think, oh, it's just because X has happened to me, or I don't have this opportunity the way that person does, or, oh, if only I were, or if only I had, that's one of the biggest mindset traps you can fall into. And one of the biggest obstacles that can hold entrepreneurs back from actually like jumping on opportunities, seizing, you know, the Mm -hmm. moment and the advantages that they do have because they're so focused on what they don't have or what they wish they did. And I love, love you're talking about this, Dean, and just encouraging people, you know, get in your head and get the bad thoughts out of there. Like you have to pay attention to what's going on in your head because that is such a key and vital part of success or failure as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and okay, so I'll just make up number three now because you asked me for three. Yeah. And let's just go with what you said because uh, it, it rang true to my heart as you were saying it. It's focus. Mm-hmm. Let's just take what's going on in the world. This is insanity, right? I mean, 2020 couldn't be designed to be more crappy, right? Yeah. I mean, we have COVID and the COVID breeds uncertainty, which robs your confidence. And when your confidence is low, you don't do crap. You sit and you wait for the world to go back to the way it was. I want to inform you, the world is never going back to the way it was. It might go back to a version of the way it was, but that's okay. That's how the world evolves, right? Mm -hmm. But when the world shifts and things are taken away or things are changed, I got a little quiz for you right now. The last time you thought about scaling your business or starting your business, Was the first thing you thought about what you lost during COVID, what could go wrong because of COVID, what could go wrong if you live in America, this crazy election that we had, or did you focus on the opportunities that this shift gave you? That's a really good question. I want you to think about that right now. When you think about scaling your business, do you focus on what you lost, what could go wrong, or what you gained and what could go right? Mm -hmm. Successful people look for the gaps. They look for the opening. They look for the shift. They look where the world is moving. They look and they focus on what they have, even when things are gone. I bet you right now, if you say, what the hell could I be happy for in 2020? I bet for an absolute fact, you had some of the biggest breakthroughs of your life in 2020. The whole world has been asking for time to look at my life. God, the universe, whatever you believe in, gave you time. You were forced to be home, forced to look internally, judge your job, judge your life, look and see if you're living into your full potential. There's more amazing things that happened to you during 2020 than you could ever imagine. But what are you focusing on? 
you focusing on what was taken away. Can't go to your restaurant, can't go outside, can't go to your job, lost some pay. What you focus on is what you get. I don't care. It's a, it's a, it's a law. It is a, it is an absolute law. And that's the kind of thing you have to train your brain. When you start thinking about growing your business and go, oh, but you go, oh my God, there's that damn focus again. And you got, you have to physically say, I am not focusing on what can go wrong. I am creating a compelling future. This is where I'm going. I'm going to be resourceful as crap and make it happen. And I'm going to get rid of that crappy story telling me I can't, because if you do what others do, you will get what they get. And if you continue to do what you're doing now and have the same thoughts you're having now, you could surely predict the future. Cause I promise you in five years, you will be in the same exact spot, listening to a podcast, hoping your life will go to another level but still not doing shit thinking someone else is going to fix it and they're not this is on you mm-hmm. oh, dean i want to interject here just my personal also experience with embracing you know the opportunity the the abundance mindset versus the lack mindset and where our focus is for me personally which this might encourage other listeners and i don't know if you have thoughts on it too dean but I spend a lot of time studying other entrepreneurs, other people who have done well, who have overcome stuff. I read books. I listen to podcasts. I, you know, fill my mind with inspiration from people who have that kind of focus and that kind of mentality. And it constantly keeps me in that mindset of, wow, you know, this happened in... Starbucks's, you know, journey as a company or an Elon Musk's story or, you know, whatever. I'm studying how they respond to situations and it gives it, for me at least, it sparks ideas. It encourages creativity. It, it helps me, you know, recognize, oh, I can do this. If they did it through their journey, I can do it through mine. Let me, you know, they recognize these strengths in their story and in their life. Let me analyze mine. Oh, wow, I have dozens in my hands that I can begin to utilize and harness for my advantage. And that's just, for me personally, something that's helped kind of shape that mindset in my journey is filling myself, surrounding myself, I guess, with people who hold that belief and strive for that mentality instead of surrounding myself with people who are going to speak negative or, you know, oh, I tried, but I failed. You know, not everyone's cut out for X, Y, Z. Like I think who you surround yourself with and the influence you allow in your life is super key to protecting that mindset and that mental space. Listen, you're so on point. I must do that Mm -hmm. every day. I still listen to at least 45 minutes to an hour a day while I work out of personal growth or success stories or someone throughout history, a George Washington book that shows how many times he should have failed and should have lost. I mean, anything that can inspire me to look towards a compelling future, even in the light of no hope, no proof that it's going to work. Remember, as entrepreneurs, you have no proof. You are jumping out of a plane in many instances, hoping the parachute opens on the way down. Mm-hmm. Like hoping you grow wings on the way down. And the only way you can do that is to surround yourself with things that feed that I can do this mindset because the world, yeah. your subconscious, the news, the, the family that are trying to protect you are all telling you it's wrong, you're crazy, and you should go play small. But how's mm-hmm. that working out? Right? How's that working out? I mean, I have to tell you guys, I'm, I'm so enjoying this with you guys. I love your energy. I love your questions. But I do, I still do crazy little hacks. And I want you all to hear this. I've said this before, if you ever listen to me, uh, another podcast or something, but it's really important. I think about the end of my life being a hundred years old and I go to meet my maker 
And I picture like sitting down next to my maker. I believe in God and I believe, you know, say I got a chance. He's like sitting on the corner of a, a little bench and I sit next to him. It's my turn. And I can picture God saying to me, so, so just give me a quick little rundown. How was your life? Could you imagine saying, oh my God, God, you know, God, I was, I was scared. I was uncertain, but I knew you gave me more. I knew I had more potential. So I went after it. I failed miserably. My family thought I was nuts. People made fun of me. I know I had some friends that stopped talking to me, called me a dreamer. But after I failed like five or six times, I got back up and I learned from that. And I realized you probably did that for me. You probably made me fail. You probably put those obstacles in a way to make me stronger. And I realized that and I learned from that and I kept going. And then I had a little bit of success. Oh my God, I failed again. And my husband thought I was an absolute fool. But then after a year, oh my God, my business thrived. My family thrived. I became a better mom. A better, I became a better example. My girls are strong women because of me. My granddaughters know what a badass their grandmother was. Could you imagine that story? But could you imagine the other story? Is, all right, so tell me about your life. Oh, you know, God, I, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I, I thought you gave me more potential, but I wasn't sure. And, you know, my husband kind of thought it was crazy to start my own thing. And, you know, I, you know, I had dyslexia in school and, and, you know, then I had a baby and you know what it's like to juggle a baby. So, you know, so I lived an okay life. Yeah. You know, I, I got that decent job and my relationship was good. I was a good mom. Oh my God. Think about that. Like literally put yourself in that position in this moment. You'd go to God, like, Oh God, crap. Can you give me another shot? Can I go back? Let me do it again. I'll go all out. I will go full potential. Imagine God going, no, glad you're here, but I wish you would have went after it. I gave you, I made you human. I put you on earth. I gave you limitless potential, but it's okay. Uh, next. Like I think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Well, and I, just so you know, we're big believers as well. And I think something that you said in there is v- like, when you believe that God put you here for a reason, that your life means something. I think we have a way of viewing the negative things that might happen to us or the unfair things that happen to us. And we don't say, oh, woe is me. It's like you learn to look at those things with a blessing, like be like, hey, God, you've given me this obstacle. It's not what I wanted. It sucks a lot. 2020 could be a great example of that. But how am I going to use this for your glory, for furthering like the mission that you put me here on earth for? Um, and I, I think about this is honestly like one of my favorite conversations to have is just like leaving a legacy and like, what are you here to do? Um, and it kind of leads me a little bit into the next question that I had for you, Dean, which was so many people out there are dreaming. Like they're dreaming big. They have huge goals. Maybe it's to leave their soul sucking nine to five to be an entrepreneur. Maybe it's like to buy a dream home in cash, or maybe it's, oh, I've always wanted to move to Hawaii, but oh, woe is me. I'm never going to do it. So many people have so many dreams out there yet. I think what we see is so many people just settle for, okay. And maybe this goes into a confidence issue a little bit, but they, they never just go after what they truly want and they just settle for okay. So what would be your advice to somebody who is currently settling for just okay in their life instead of living it to the fullest? Yeah, again, I, I love the thought I just shared, but what if, what if, and, and my partner and dear friend Tony Robbins says this, so I want to give him credit for this statement, but what if life really was happening for us, not to us? What if we went deeper on that conversation with God and you said, oh God, I, I had that divorce or whatever, a divorce, the, the, the partner that robbed my money, the deal that didn't work out. 
could you imagine you saying that like, you know, I, I had that divorce and, and I thought it almost crippled me, but, and then could you imagine God pulling out like the playbook and go, yeah, that, I knew that was happening. Uh, you needed that to become a better version of yourself. That you were going down a road that wasn't that great and that made you stronger. It made you realize what you were doing wrong. That was all designed. Oh, that the person that stole your money, yeah, that taught you this lesson. And remember, you went and got that job after and gained those capabilities. And it's actually those capabilities that you used when you launched your business and why it's successful. What if it was all designed for us? What if it was all us paying our sales, uh, uh, our, our success tax? What if we have to pay it? And what I think is so many people believe that when they hit the obstacle, it wasn't meant for them. What if the obstacle absolutely was designed for you? What if what could get you from where you are to where you want to go is faith that you have the capabilities to do it. Like you guys, I think it was you that said that Lindsay, um, but you guys both have faith, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Have you ever met Jesus or have you ever met God personally face to face? Oh, Not no. yet. <laughs> no. Okay. But do you have faith that he's real? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. We can have faith in God, which I do as well, but we have to have that same faith in ourselves. We can't mm. see a bigger future. We can't, if we don't see it, if we don't believe it, it'll never happen. We have to have blind faith. Sometimes, sometimes the original thought is just saying, this is happening for me. Like that is sometimes the declaration you need that just makes the difference of saying, I'm going for it. We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to us to be a sponsor on the show. We were able to try it ourselves for a bit, and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs, and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview, and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire. Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling. Video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start, we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services. So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. Y'all, the horror stories we have heard in our years of business is unmatched and a little terrifying. <laughs> clients refusing to pay after you've delivered a service, clients demanding their retainer back after canceling on you last minute. The list goes on. Business shouldn't feel like you're walking on eggshells though. And yet that's how most of us feel when we first start our business. We're petrified to make a wrong move or have an unhappy client. Okay, but here's the truth. 
One of the first foundational steps of owning your own business should be protecting yourself legally with contracts. Yes, yes, even for friends and family. Contracts allowed us to walk in confidence as we grew our photography businesses. But also hiring a lawyer to create custom contracts for you is a pain in the butt and the wallet. And grabbing whatever free or cheap template online is often not enough protection. Yes. So we wanted to make this as easy and seamless for you as possible and give you the resources to make sure you have your butt protected. We have partnered with our favorite lawyer and attorney, Paige, from the legal page. She has not only created powerful contract templates, but her team is so present and ready to help figure out which ones you need for your business. You can stack her contracts in her shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation and rescheduling bundle, second shooter and associate contracts, and honestly, so much more. Just head to theheartcontracts.com for 10% off. That's theheartcontracts.com. This is just such a, a, a foundational conversation. And I love that we're just diving into so much of the, the mental obstacles that any human being, but especially people who are trying to do their own thing and kind of pave their own path, struggle with. And I would love to hear, Dean, if you wanted to talk a little bit about like what do you think your purpose in life is? Like when you're striving for all of this impact and, you know, yeah. your core values and everything that you hold dear, like, would you mind sharing that with no, us in our audience? And I think that's another thing that's got to change. So I'm going to give you a little visual because that's just the way I think. So Perfect. you guys, uh, where are you guys located in, in the country? I'm in Hawaii and Evie's in California. Oh, awesome. Um, uh, two great places. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've, probably, you've probably seen on the East Coast and New England area, so the, the old lighthouses. Did you ever see mm -hmm. the lighthouse picture? Yep. It's beautiful. You see the waves crashing against them. Uh, and you know what lighthouses are for, right? That's for when yeah. the fishermen used to come back, they'd know how to get back, right? Mm -hmm. Or how to avoid. You know. So I look at, we need a compelling future that gets us out of bed every day. And I picture it like a lighthouse. Like it's the thing that we stare at every day and we need to take that lighthouse and have it always 20, 30 feet in front of us. And we're striving to get to it. It's our compelling future of where we want to go. And then when we reach it, you know what we have to do? We have to come up with our next level compelling future. And we got to push that thing another 50 feet out. And then you got to work really hard to get to it. And when you get to it, you need an upgraded uh, compelling future and push it back out. We always got to be going towards something. Do you know how many friends, because I'm 52, because I've been around a while, I have a lot of friends that sold their companies and got more money than they know what to do with. And they went from this being alive, impact, making a difference to having all the money in the world and they freaking hate it. They golf too much. They eat too much. And then they're bored and then they're on freaking antidepressants or jump on steroids and work out too much. And they're just trying to figure it out because it's, it's, We've heard this before. It's not about the destination. It's this journey. We just have to have a compelling journey to be on, mm -hmm. right? So for me at this phase, I don't know. Maybe if you guys interview me in five years, I'll have another story. But right now, I love making an impact. I love the fact that I've been in business for 32 years, that I failed miserably. I came from nothing. I don't come on here to brag and try to be a big shot. I come in here because it fills my heart to know that hopefully somebody and many people listen to this and go, I can do this. I can be better. I can do more and I will do more. And I have another level and I won't listen to that thought. And I'll, and I'll, I'll beat up this and I'll focus on where I can go. I'll be more resourceful. If I get that, that lights me up. I hope you can hear it in my voice. I'm not getting paid to be here. We're not, we're not doing this. I'm, I'm taking time for my business. I want to be here because it, it fills my soul. 
Now, do I like being successful? Hell yes. I love to have a successful company. I employ hundreds of people, either employ or manage hundreds of people around the country. And I love that I get to help their families and help them grow and they get to help their families. But we must find something. I, even if, and I'm going to talk one more thing in case you're in a job you freaking hate and you're like, Dean, you're a jerk because I hate what I'm doing. But I, I got an answer for you too. But we have to find something that drives us. We have to find something that gives you a reason to jump out of bed, to be enthusiastic, to learn from people who've already been there, to take uncomfortable action, to be courageous, right? And if it's just about the money, like I just want a million bucks, that's not enough. It'll never work. You got to get into your heart, get out of your head and get into your heart. When you literally, like literally if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, am I going to let someone be in control of my life? Hell no. No one's ever going to tell me I can't go pick up my kids when I want or, or, or practice or, or, you know coach softball, coach little league. I'll, I'll chew through a brick wall to keep that, to be the husband I want to be, the father I want to be, the leader I want to be. I, I would literally chew through concrete. And I would, and so you got to find something that lights you up, but you got to keep moving your future out in front of you because so many of you have already passed the goals you had for yourself. Set new goals, create a new compelling future and fight for it. And then those of you who might be in a situation that you hate, or a job that sucks while you're trying to launch your company. Here's what I want to tell you. Trick yourself into loving what you do right now, because know that it was designed by God, the universe, whatever you believe in, and it's part of your journey. And how we do one thing is how we do everything. So if you're like, oh, I'm doing this job shitty because someday I'm, or my business is going to launch and then I'll love it. And then I'll be excited. Mm, I don't think you get past the success auditor. You got to pay your success tax by doing whatever it is you do to your fullest potential. Mm-hmm. Listen, when I was in my 20s, I worked on cars every single day of my life. Engines, painting, I had headaches because I always, I was, I painted in my collision shop and we didn't have good ventilation. It was annoying and I hated it, but not one person on the planet would know I hated it. I worked, I was the best at painting. I worked more hours than anybody else, but simultaneously I was working on my dreams. At night, I'd go eat dinner and I'd go work on my apartments and I ended up getting 25 different apartments that cash flowed so much it allowed me to go on to my next level of life. But I got to tell you a quick story. While I was working on cars and hated it, customers would come in and go, God, Dean, you're so, you love what you do and you're so good at it. And in the bottom of my head, I'm like, no, I don't, but it's part <laughs> of my journey. But I have to tell you, there was a guy that I fixed his car and he liked my enthusiasm, which if, if you hear my energy now, I've had this energy my whole life. And uh, he said, so what else do you do? I'm like, well, you know, this is, this is my place and I'm working hard here, but I'm also working on real estate. He goes, what are you working on now? I said, I'm working on a, a deal. It's a, it's a 40 acres. Um, I want to subdivide it and build houses on it. And he's like, wow, have you ever built houses? I'm like, I built two, but I want to build like 10 on this property and sell them. I've already made money on the ones I've done. He's like, well, why haven't you done it? I'm like, well, the property is 180,000 bucks and I come up with 90,000 and I'm trying to get a loan, but it's not working out. He said, I'll give you the 90 grand. Whoa. And I said, what? He said, I'll give you the 90 grand. I said, I'll make you a partner. He goes, if you think that's fair, that next day he gave me a check for $90,000. That deal wow. was the biggest real estate deal I'd ever done in my life. I netted, I made over a half a million dollars on that deal. He did amazing. I did amazing. And why did it happen? Because he loved my enthusiasm and something that I hated. I never would have got that real estate deal, or maybe I would have, but I got it that way because I found a way to enjoy what I was doing because I knew one thing, it was temporary. 
Yeah. Oh. You had such joy in a, in a job that you hate that it paid off. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's so important too, like even hearing you talk just strikes a chord with me of, you know, something that my parents taught me growing up is to be faithful and do excellent work regardless of where you are. And mm-hmm. I think that sets you up for so much success, especially as an entrepreneur who, you know, you're you're the boss, you're running everything, you decide everything and all the responsibility falls on your shoulders and you have to be self-disciplined and all of that. When you're in a position where you're doing something that maybe you don't love, this is like a random personal example, but I, the last... My parents moved to a farm when I was, I think I was 14 or 15. And all through my teenage years, I was doing chores on the farm, like two to three hours a day, morning and night, 5 a.m. getting up milking cows. Like it's the most ridiculous story, but I look back on that season and that taught me so much about consistency, regardless of how I felt. I had to get wow. up and go out and milk the cows at negative 10 in the dead of winter, freezing cold, bundle up 5.30 in the morning, like go out. And it taught me so much about if I, it doesn't matter how I feel about the task, the task needs to be done and I'm going to do it well. And I'm going to have a good attitude about it because otherwise it's miserable. And I think so much of that season and then going into, you know, my late teens, early twenties and serving at a restaurant. I hated that job, but I showed up and I did it and I tried to have a good attitude. It it set me up for so much success in my years of entrepreneurship now and like running my businesses and and I have to show up and do tasks whether I want to do them or not. So if somebody is listening to this and in a season of I hate my job, you turn it from, oh, I have to do this job to, oh, wow, this is a learning ground and a training ground for the next season of life and take advantage of where you are right now. So good. By the way, you, you have amazing parents. I love that. There's days I think of bailing and going on a farm and putting my kids to work. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's it's uh, a fun, it's hard work, but man, it is, it's a lot of fun. And I really learned so much through that season. So I encourage it. <laughs> I literally asked, I have one daughter who's 18 months old, and I literally asked Evie's mom for advice on parenting. And she was like, move to a farm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My parents you know, are I wonderful. That all the time. I, I do, because, you know, it's, it's hard to replicate um, difficulties. It's hard to replicate yeah. not having it. I don't live a small lifestyle anymore, and I work really hard. It's one of my... It's one of my biggest obsessions is to make sure I don't raise two entitled kids that are thinking that the world owes them something yeah. because uh, uh, I'd be such a failure if I did. So there, there are literally days I think of, um, <laughs> of bailing to a farm. <laughs> well, that's such a good question that I almost kind of want to ask real fast before we move on to like one of the last questions is I've thought about that too, of, of like a lot of entrepreneurs these days, we see that they a lot came from nothing. And it was the nothing in the beginning that really encouraged them to rise up and make something of their life. Uh, Is there anything that you specifically do for your kids specifically so that they obviously don't have that story in the sense of like, you guys are well off, right? Like, but is there anything that you do just like tips or tricks or anything that encourages them to not, like you said, have that entitled attitude? Yeah, you know, I have to definitely, um, my kids... Uh, I, I think I raised them very like, well, I shouldn't say that. Like a lot of the things I do are very like middle-class, even though we don't live anywhere near middle-class. Like, um, and I don't say like, Oh, we're, but like I fly on a private jet. I mean, I can't tell the kids we're struggling. 
you know? <laughs> right. Um, like, dad's not doing so well. You got to shut your lights off. The bills are locked, but uh, the jet's leaving at five. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's not an easy task, but I let, I, I, I try to set up ways where they have to figure out things on their own, that they have to find solutions. Uh, we put them in sports and I've taught them since they were little that you win games when no one's watching. They know how hard their father works. They know that they're not getting my money. They're, they're going to gain an opportunity to grow. Like what the philosophy that I'm teaching my kids and I have, I've been talking to their 12 and 14 and nine months, the nine month old doesn't really know what's going on yet. But um, <laughs> the, the 12 and 14 year old, they know that I'm treating this like a relay race. Dad ran the first uh, leg of the race. If they want to run the next leg of the race, I will hand the baton off to them, but I'm not handing them the trophy. I worked for the trophy. They need to work for it. And I talked to him in ways. It's like, how, how do you, do you want to be the traditional America's known for the G3 curse? Did you ever hear of the G3 curse? Mm-hmm. Generation three, grandpa or grandma makes it daughter or son, maintain it. Grandchildren blow it. Mm. And it's not because the trust wasn't set up, right? It's because there was a damn trust. When they were 21, they got money. 28, they got money. 32, that their birthright, like time ticking was, was allowing them to be successful. I don't know anybody that's a trust fund child that's happy. They're, they're always looking for fulfillment and, and, and they can't find it. And I just can't do that to my children. So I talk to them like they're adults and they know that they're not inheriting my money. They're inheriting an opportunity. So I'm just trying to teach them to be entrepreneurs. And there's a lot of great families that maintain this. There's, there's families in Europe that are 20 generations on the same farm with the same company and they hand off the opportunity. And I just hope that I'm doing that. Do I know for sure? No, but I got, I have really good kids. They're solid human beings. I talk to them like they're adults. We just had a conversation the other day and I said, how, how terrible would it feel? My daughter's 14 now. And just this last two weeks, she's the same height as me. So not that's a major task, but I said to my daughter, we went to dinner, uh, just her and I, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I said to her, she was out, she we were talking about opportunities. She's like, I don't know if I want to work for somebody or start my own business, or maybe I want to work with you, dad. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to support whatever it is. And don't let anybody tell you to, to not go after your dreams, including me. If I don't agree, screw it. You do what makes sense for you. I said, but I want to tell you, I, I'd love for you to work with the family and, and further this and then teach your kids what I'm teaching you in business. I said, because how, terrible would it feel? You know how hard I've worked. Your kids might not know as hard. I'm just going to be the nice grandpa, right? I said, how horrible would it feel if you knew how hard I worked and I gave you a good life and you didn't gain the skills or the capabilities and you just spent the money. And by the time it got to your kids and their kids, it was all gone. And they didn't have the opportunity to leverage that what grandpa worked on. I said, how would that make you feel? I said, there's a lot of families that feel that way. So we have to work together, Brie. Your name's Brianna. We have to work together, Brie, to gain the capability so you feel confident that you could carry the baton. I want to I wanna leave it at X. I'd love to look down from heaven and go, wow, my daughter and son and my, my two boys and my daughter doubled what we had. And their grandchildren doubled that. I mean, and the other thing I said, too, both my kids love helping. My, my son will walk across the street and take all of his money and give it to every homeless person he sees. My son was born with this monster heart and my kids know that this year was our biggest year ever because people needed it more than ever. This year we, mm-hmm. we donated $600,000 um, to Operation Underground Railroad because I had no idea there was that many kids in childhood slavery and it made me just 
want to vomit. My wife and I donated $600,000. Every $2,000 saves a child. And we just passed 7 million meals through Feeding America this year. Next year, we'll pass 10 million. And we also built a school in Africa that'll last 50, 100 years helping children in a town that never had a school. And now they're going to have a school to, and it's a beautiful school. We did that just in 2020. I said, how, do you, how does that feel, guys? Do you want to be able to do that? They said, absolutely. I'm like, well, you're not going to use my money. I'm going to donate my money. I might donate all my money when I pass away. You have to, you have to figure out how to make yours so you can have the same feeling I do. Ah, uh, this, Dean, I could literally listen to you talk forever. <laughs> this conversation is reminding me of, I, I can't remember if I read it in a book or if I took a course on this. Um, so I, I don't know where to credit this analogy from, but... It reminds me of living your life to leave a legacy that lasts after you're gone in the sense of uh, the, like the analogy is the builders of cathedrals in Europe. The people that started building, like cathedrals took hundreds and hundreds of years to build. And the people that started never got to see the finished like product or the finished church or the finished cathedral. And it, it reminds me of how that can relate to our lives of if your life goal is one dimensional or not one dimensional, one, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think generational. of? Generational. Um, generational. Yeah. If it's one generational, you're thinking too small. And it's like, we want to expand that and think multi-generationally and teach our kids to steward the less that they have so that they actually learn those skills that when they do, if they do get financially wealthy or, or if we're passing on financial wealth to them, that they then can have the, have the stewardship mindset to actually, and the resources and just the knowledge to steward what they have well, because they steward what they had at the beginning, which was less really well. Um, And your story just like really makes me think of that whole scenario. Yeah. And it's a responsibility, right? I mean, if you're you're given a gift to be able to earn, it's also a responsibility. And, you know, sometimes people say um, money can't buy happiness. And I say BS, that means you haven't given enough away. Uh, Mm -hmm. The one night, um, the night, one night when we were actually at at, uh, Tony Robbins birthday party and um, um, he didn't want a birthday party. He wanted to make it. So it was a contribution Anyway, that's when I really understood about Operation Underground Railroad and the whole birthday party was to raise money. And that night we donated a half a million dollars the night of his birthday party. And my wife and I, she was nine months pregnant. We went up in the room um, and we were just so filled with grace and filled and felt so blessed that we were able to do it. Not because people were like, good job. It was because we found a way to be able to do that and impact and it. It, it was truly magical. Um, so... Mm-hmm. You know, don't let that belief of money, that money's bad and maybe that's why you don't make it. That's BS. That's a cop out. If God gave you the capabilities to be an entrepreneur and make money, make a ton of it. Give it all away. Mm-hmm. As long as you're making it ethically and you're providing value to the world, you're not selling face masks for a hundred bucks each or you're selling drugs, <laughs> gam- uh, you know, gambling to someone with a gambling problem. As long as you're providing value to the world, if you have the capabilities to make it, go earn and then help people that need it. Mm, uh, so good. I feel like so good. You just every time you talk, Dean, I'm just ready to like mic drop moment for you. <laughs> like, so um, to kind of pivot and just final question is kind of a two parter to just kind of wrap up. Well, second to final question, would you want to talk a little bit about for the for the people listening because this is airing on December 31st. Okay. For the people listening, this has been such a hard year. I know we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what 
you know, words of wisdom would you have on what 2020 has taught us specifically as entrepreneurs and maybe even more general people? And then part two, do you have any advice or wisdom for us going into 2021 with a healthy mindset or, you know, anything after the whole challenge that 2020 has been? Yeah. So here's what I'd say. I'm going to break it into two quick parts. I would look back on 2020 and there were things that you've ignored that were incredible lessons. There were lessons built into some hardships, the shifts in your life. I would force yourself, go through your phone and look over the last 12 months, look at your pictures to remind you of where you were, what you were thinking and find that tough, that tough situation or that that circumstance and realize what the gift was in that situation and take that lesson. And I want you to picture 2021. There's like a line in the sand between 2020 and 2021, and you can't drag everything over the line. You can only bring over the line the things that'll serve you. So number one is what lessons did you learn? Number two is look at 2020 as like a burning building. Okay. And inside that burning building on the shelves is your whole history of that year. There are some things that you want to pack in your suitcase, take them off the shelf so they don't burn and carry them over the line into 2021. But there's a lot of things you just want to let burn. Let leave it in the past. You made some mistakes in 2020. It didn't work out the way you hoped. Um, you, 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 you procrastinated a little. You did too much social media. You binged out on Netflix when you should have been working on your business. I don't know what it is, but it's okay. I'm giving you a pass, but don't carry that crap into 2021. Let it burn down with 2020. And then the last thing is decide in 2021 what you must say no to. You do too many things. We all do. You must say no to the things that don't serve you, don't serve God, don't serve your bigger future, don't serve your company, don't serve being the parent you want to be. And you must say no to them. Say no to the people that, that bring you down. Say no to the thoughts. Say no to the, the news that makes you feel like crap. Whatever it is that doesn't serve a bigger version of you, say no to it. Mm, so good. I love that. Um, Dean, we ask this question to every guest as kind of like a final wrap-up question. And I, we like it because everybody gives different answers. But what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in business? That it's what Peter Drucker said. Marketing and innovation are the only two things that run a business or that move a business. Everything else is a cost. If you're not obsessing on being innovative, and especially when the world shifts, and you're, if you're not obsessing on ethical marketing, then really you're just spinning your wheels. You're trying to design graphics and logos and KPIs and SOPs and who should I hire and where should my building go? If you're not innovative, innovating and marketing in today's world, you really just have a good idea. Dang. Oh. Dean, you are incredible. Thank you so much for giving us so much of your time today. This has been such an honor. For everyone listening who is now absolutely obsessed with you, wants to learn with you, grow with you, all of the above. Where can people find you, connect with you, learn from you? Uh, you could go to my podcast, deanspodcast.com. It's the Dean Graziosi Show. Uh, we're putting effort into that and it's rocking and rolling right now. So if you want like 10, 15 minutes of kind of hit energy like you had today, three times a week, that's that. <laughs> I, I, um, 
I do a story every day, usually a minute long on Instagram, where I try to deliver one nugget in 60 seconds. I hardly ever miss. And my Instagram account's growing like crazy, I think, because of it. And if you want to grab my latest book, it's uh, called The Underdog Advantage. It is pure fire. You'll freak out. Uh, You can grab a copy at deansbook.com. I love I like it. your URLs. You make them simple. <laughs> simple to understand. Well, Dean, thank you so much for being here. This conversation just lit me on fire today in the best way possible. I'm ready to go crush the day. And I know <laughs> every single ear that listened to this show was touched. I can guarantee that. So thank you so much for just giving us your time and energy today. We really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. You girls are awesome. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you.